Let's um, start out with a, uh, with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Precious Father, we come before you in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. We truly thank and praise you that this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, for such a time as this, you, O oh Lord, are a shield about us. You are glory and the lifter of our heads. So, Father, we know that the way of a man is not in himself. Neither is it in man that walks to direct his steps. So, Father, we ask you, by the power of your precious Holy Spirit, to take control of this message that you be the divine manager of this message, that you would open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law, and that, Father, we have an opportunity to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and allow me to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So grant us a spirit of wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge of you and that the eyes of our hearts being enlightened, we will know what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Okay. First of all, once again, I want to thank those that did take the time to listen. And I want to thank those that um, either through uh, phone call, email, or text that sent me uh, some very encouraging and gracious words because the thing about uh, preaching the word of God, you get beat up before and you get beat up, and beat up after. So it is a beautiful thing to, 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 to have words of en- encouragement. And once again, I want to thank the prayer warriors for doing what they always do. Um, tonight, <clears throat> we're still into things about the Lord's prayer that make you want to say, hmm, Part 10, and on last time we talked about the characteristics of God's model prayer, which we're going to continue in that, Um, but this time, probably our focus is going to be the power of God's love and perseverance of Jesus Christ in prayer, the fervent prayer of of a righteous man. That's all the title. It's kind of like a title outline. I guess you could call it that. <clears throat> but just in a way of review, oh, before I, before I say that, um, I actually made a mistake. I'm thinking about Urkel, and he used to say, did I do that? Yes, I did. Um, I think it was characteristic number three. Um, I think I had Jeremiah 36, 26. My wife pointed that out to me because she was a noble Berean, and she was searching the scriptures to see if what I was saying was true. And another thing, I want to thank Jim for being here, and my lovely wife has accompanied me. And, um, but the, the, the scripture is Ezekiel 36, 26. Ezekiel 36, 26, not Jeremiah 26, 36. So you can change that in your notes. But anyhow, we talked about characteristic. It was no, no particular order in, in how I 
you know, how the Holy Spirit gave me these characteristics. But characteristic number four, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, um, it's safe for us to hear these things again in um, Philippians 3.18. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are asking God to reveal the universal saving significance of Jesus Christ. This is very important, and that's why I'm I'm going to repeat these. The universal saving significance of Jesus Christ and the universal impact of the cross, which basically speaks of the first three petitions and actually the whole Lord's Prayer, and it's God's agenda in uh, Matthew 6, 9 to 10. Characteristic number six, these are the ones that I thought were important that we need to to repeat uh, just to refresh your memory. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer about the very gift of Jesus Christ. If you don't see Jesus Christ in the scriptures, what's the purpose? Um, in John 3, 16, uh, the very gift of Jesus Christ, John 1, 1 to 4, John 5, 39 to 41, and Luke 24, 27. Characteristic number nine, just to repeat, we we'll refresh a course here. Um, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are, and this is very important also, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, and this was a question, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, are we loving the Lord our God with all our heart and loving our neighbor as ourself? And some verses are Galatians 5, 6, Matthew 22, 37 to 40, 2 Corinthians 5, 14, Titus 3, 4, and 5, and Matthew 5, 43 to 48. And it, likes, and it says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And in 1 John 2, 5, it says, whosoever keeps his word in him is the love of God perfected. There's something about being perfected in the love of God. And the demonstration of that is the fact as that you, you love your, your neighbor and you pray for those who persecute you. So, what I want to get into uh, tonight or today, um, right on the heels, actually the verses, that you, the, the scriptures that I want to get into is first of all, I want to get into um, Luke chapter 11. And also we want to go to Luke chapter 18. And I want you to see a parallel between uh, those scriptures. But right before Luke chapter 11, right on the heels of the Lord's Prayer, because that's, that's really the, the other part where the Lord's Prayer is um, talked about in the scriptures, and it also is talked about in um, Matthew uh, chapter 6. But you see the account of, the, of uh, Jesus being around Martha and Mary. And you know the story that Martha, she was troubled about with much serving. And she got a little agitated and she said to the Lord, she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister's not helping me serve because you're here. And we know that we got to be serving because you're here. And, and Jesus made the, 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 the statement to her. He says to her, Martha, Martha, 
You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Mary has chosen the best part, and it will not be taken from her. And it's really amazing because in John 15, 7 and 8, it says, if you, this is the um, God's word to the nation. If you live in me and what I say lives in you, then ask anything you want and it'll be yours. You give glory to my father when you produce a lot of fruit. What fruit? Is that the fruit of prayer? And therefore show you are my disciples. So in Luke, if you have your Bibles, and I'm, I'm looking out at, a, at Pauletta, and if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Luke chapter 11. And Luke chapter 11 starts out with this. This is very important. This is very important. And we talked about this on the last time, I believe, but I kind of saw it in a holy, a whole, not a holy, a whole different light. But in Luke 11, it says this, and it happened that as he was praying, and then we said on last week in Luke uh, 5, 16, he made a practice, he made a practice of withdrawing to remote places in order to pray. A certain one of his disciples, back to, to, to Luke um, 11, 1, a certain one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And we talked about that before. And I'm going to ask a question. During this time of a worldwide pandemic and sheltering in place, as believer priest in Revelation 1-6, in humility, in humility, that's a key word, in humility, are we asking our Heavenly Father to teach us to pray while we are sheltering in place? In Matthew 6, 6, it says this, but when you pray, enter into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And it's really beautiful because Pastor Knapp, as soon as this pandemic started to really take off, Pastor Knapp gave us this verse, and it's related to this. In Isaiah 26, 20, come, my people, enter your rooms, go into your rooms and close the door, as Matthew said in Matthew 6, 6, come, my people, enter your rooms and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself for a little while until the wrath of God is past. I'm two pages in already. We're moving along. When you, when you pray in verse, um, in verse 2, literally what he does, he actually gives the Lord's prayer. He says, when you pray, and it's actually a shorter version than that which is in uh, Matthew chapter 6. Um, but I'm not going to focus on the prayer. I'm into the characteristics of the prayer. So I just, I'm just going to kind of read through the prayer just for time's sake. But when you pray, you pray our Father in the heavens. 
Let your name be sacred. Let your kingdom come in many manuscripts. In in Luke it says, and your will be done. Um, Give us each day our daily bread. And that literally means give us the bread from the messianic banquet that's going to happen tomorrow, but we want that today. We want to see the universal saving significance of Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ. For we are also to forgive all those indebted to us and do not bring us to trial. So whenever the test comes, do not let the adversary overtake us in the test. That's just kind of a a, a brief synopsis of the prayer. But that's really what I don't want. That's really what I, I don't really want to focus in at this time. So we're going to deal with characteristic number 10. Probably do 10, 11, and 12. Hopefully we can get there. And they're pretty, um, actually they're pretty long, each characteristic. I did some, some research into these things. Um, characteristic number 10 of God's model prayer. Here it is. And it's, it's in the form of a question. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, are we praying with God's love and the perseverance of Christ? I'll say that again. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, are we praying with God's love and the perseverance of Christ? And you can read that verse in 2 Thessalonians 3, 5, which is what pastor talked about. And he put the icing on the, on the cake of this message um, in increment uh, number 41. I would recommend that you go back and listen to that again because it was outstanding as always. <coughs> he says this here in, in uh, 3, 5. I, wanna, I do want to read this. May the Lord turn your hearts towards love towards the love of God and the perseverance of Christ. Hupomone, perseverance, steadfastness. Now watch it. Steadfastness, consistency, endurance, a patient endurance, sustaining. You can also see Revelation 1.9. So right on the heels, now watch it. Watch how the Lord does this. It's just amazing. Right on the heels of the Lord's Prayer. So before we got to the Lord's Prayer, you saw the, 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 the encounter Jesus had with Martha and Mary. Now we're moving after the Lord's Prayer. Now we're after the Lord's Prayer. And he says this. We're in um, Luke um, 5, no, Luke 11, uh, 5 to 13. <clears throat> and he says this. Suppose one of you, has a friend. Now, how is this related to the Lord's Prayer? That's a good question. Hopefully, we can answer that. Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight. This is a parable he's speaking. And says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine is on a journey, has come to me, and I don't have anything to offer him. Kenneth Bailey, a brilliant scholar in his own right, wrote a book a long time ago. I don't know how long ago. I'm going to say a long time ago. Poet and Peasant, 
and through peasants' eyes. And I got a lot of seed thought from that. I'm going to read it from page 22. And, I'm, and I, got some, I got some critical things that I want to say about this parable. Here it is, the first one. The critical element in the initial portion of the parable is that the guest is guest of the community. This is in Middle Eastern culture. And I love what Brian said in his message of how we need to interpret the scriptures. We need to interpret the scriptures through the eyes of the Middle Eastern culture because a lot of times we interpret the scriptures in the eyes of, 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 of our culture and it, and it just don't, it don't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And um, while I'm thinking about it in, in um, <clears throat> I believe it's uh, Luke uh, 15, 1, when it says that they murmured when Jesus, because he ate with sinners. So we would read that verse and say, so what's the big deal? But if you understand what table fellowship meant to them versus what it means to us, then it changes. Matter of fact, in that one verse there, you can see the universal saving significance of Jesus Christ if you allow the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. So the critical element in this initial portion of the parable is that the guest is guest of the community, of the community, not just the individual. Here's here's another point. The community, watch this, watch it. The community is responsible for his entertainment. The guest must leave the village with a good feeling about the hospitality of the village as a community, hmm, things that make you want to say, hmm, now watch it. <clears throat> the request is the humblest element of the entire meal, namely the bread that will be dipped in the common dish. And what they would do is they would have their, I don't know if it was a loaf, but they would have a portion of bread and they would cut a piece and dip it in the dish and eat it. But then when they went to dip again, they would cut another piece. They couldn't, did like, they couldn't do like George Costanza did in, in Steinfeld, where he was at a party and the guy accused him of double dipping. You can't double dip. So what you do is you, every time you get a, a, a dip, you have to have a new piece of bread. So that's, that, that's just a little, little humor there. <laughs> In the common dish, it's the common dish. So here's another one. Bread is not the meal. Watch this, watch this. Bread is not the meal. Bread is the knife, the fork, and the spoon, which, which the meal is eaten. Hmm. Watch it. This man becomes a type of an intercessor. Watch it. He is not asking for anything for himself. He goes on, I mean, he goes to one friend in order to honor a second friend. Hmm. This was unheard of. Now watch it. This was unheard of in Middle Eastern culture. In verse 7. Then he answered, from inside and said, don't bother me. And I was thinking about um, W.C. Fields. 
Get away from me. You're bothering me. And, um, and he said, don't bother me. He said, the door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now, once again, this is coming off of the heels of the Lord's prayer. Let me grab some water. You have to excuse me. My level of intensity has increased. So he says, don't bother me. Why? The door is already locked. This is his excuse. The door is already locked. My children and I have gone to bed. So therefore, I can't get up and give you anything. And Jesus says, I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything, watch it. Because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, and I think the King James says importunity. I like the way the uh, Christian Standard Bible says it. It says, shameless boldness. Mm. The Net Bible says, sheer persistence. The Good News translation says, because you are not ashamed to keep asking. Hebrews 10, 19 to 20 says this. Therefore, brethren, having, having, having boldness. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. By a fresh and living way, and I, if I remember, I remember uh, Pastor Scott Warren used to call it a freshly slain way. I love that. And it's amazing because in Revelation chapter 5, in Revelation chapter 5, the focus is on the lamb standing that was slaughtered because he is the lamb. Isn't that amazing? A fresh and living way. And in, and in, and in Hebrews 4.16, it says this. Let us therefore come boldly. What did it say? A shameless boldness. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy to find grace to help in a time of need. We're going to probably get back to that verse. And um, I'm going to say something else about that one. And it says this in verse eight. He will get up and give him as much as he needs. Uh, the believer Bible commentary by William McDonald says this, God answers prayer. Now watch it. God answers prayer. Often faith must be learned. A deeper rest. Often faith must know. Often faith must learn a deeper rest. Now watch it and trust God's silence when he does not speak. Hmm. Which brings us to, just want to go over this real, real quick. It brings us to Isaiah 40, 27 to 31. This was at the time that the um, Northern Kingdom 
was in Assyrian exile. And then this is what they said. Or this is what the prophet wrote. This is what the prophet wrote in Isaiah 40, 27, 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? That's what they were saying because they were in exile. Things weren't going their way. Why are you saying? Why are you saying my way? And is that what we're saying right now? Is that what we're saying during this pandemic? Are we saying, Lord, are we saying is that, that, that our way is hidden from you? During this time of sheltering in place, during this time of a world pandemic. My way is hidden from the Lord. And my just claim is passed over by my God, it says. And then the prophet writes this, and I love it. He gives them a word of encouragement. He says, have you not known? You always hear that verse quoted, but you don't hear the the, the verse before that quote. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Watch it. He gives power to the weak or to the faint. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who, watch it, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Just for time's sake, I don't have time to go into all. But right after that, right after that parable, then he sends another parable. It's all connected to the Lord's prayer. It's all connected to the Lord's prayer. And then he says in Luke 11, 9 to 33. So I say, keep asking, and it'll be given to you. Keep seeking. Like who? Like the man that went to his friend's house and kept knocking and had shameless boldness. Keep asking, and it shall be given unto you. Keep knocking, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, keep seeking, and you will find. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. And then he goes into in verse 11, what father among you, if a son asks a fish, will he give him a snake? I think a lot of times that's what we think God's like. Will he give him a snake, a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks an egg, will he give him a, a scorpion? If you then, although you are evil with an old sin nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father, watch it, give the Holy Spirit to them that asked him. I was sitting there, I said, Lord, what does that mean? The Holy Spirit to them that asked him. Well, guess what? He says this in, um, in Matthew, 11, uh, um, Matthew 7, 11, he says, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who asked him? But then... In, um, in Romans seven fourteen, it says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Luke 12, 32, he says this, don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Mm. Put those together. 
So now we move to another portion of scripture. I said it runs a parallel. It runs a parallel. And, um, and Luke 18, 1 to 14. So, Pauletta, you can turn your Bible to, you can turn, you got your Bible there? Turn to, to, to um, Luke 11, 1 to 18. And, and while, while she's turning her page, um, Proverbs 24, 10 says, if you lose heart when things go wrong, your strength is not worth much. And in the, in the uh, Net Bible, it says, if you faint in the day of trouble, your strength is small. Now watch this, watch this, because these are, this is a parallel, and it's, he's almost saying the same thing. He's almost saying, that. I, no, I'm not saying almost. I believe he's really teaching the same thing, but in a different light. In thy light, we see light. So he says in Luke 18, 1 to 14, now watch what he says. Men ought always to pray and not faint. Hmm. Conflate that with Luke 11.1. Lord, teach us how to pray. So what are you saying, Lord? Men ought always to pray and not faint. Pray what? Pray how? See, when you pray, you pray our Father who is in the heavens. Hmm. Just something to think about. And that means not get tired or lose heart. But the good thing is, is that we can pray with the perseverance of Jesus Christ back to 2 Thessalonians 5.3. And Revelation 1.9. So we live by the perseverance of Jesus Christ. We live by the love of God and we live by the faithfulness of, of I, I live by the faithfulness of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me in Galatians 2.20. Then he tells this parable. It's just amazing how the Lord just, he just, he just, and, and he has a reason for telling the parable. What, what are, what's the focus of the topic? What is that? What I call it the setup? What's the setup? Men are always to pray and not faint. Before the setup was, he said, teach us how to pray. And he said, we'll pray the Lord's prayer. Now he's saying, men ought always to pray and not faint. Pray what? Our father, which art in heaven. Hmm. So then he says this. He goes to another parable. The parable of the widow and the unjust judge. <clears throat> now watch how the parallel hooks up with this, this parable, with the parable of the friend that asked his friend for bread. Now watch it. <coughs> There was a judge in one town who didn't fear God or respect men. And a widow in that town kept coming to him. She kept coming to him. She kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while, he was unwilling. Kind of like the guy that says, you know what? I'm asleep. My kids are in bed. And the door's locked. And I'm asleep. Well, how do you sleep if you're answering them? Hmm, must been sleepwalking. <clears throat> unwilling. But later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect men, yet because of this widow's pestering me, 
In other words, she kept coming. She kept coming. And he finally said, this woman, she's giving me a headache. Hmm. And she said, like the guy in the, in the um, um, uh, J.D. Wentworth uh, commercial. I want my money and I want it now. And that's what she said. I want justice and I want it now. Huh. She keeps pestering me. She's wearing me out. She's giving me a headache. And he finally says this. I will give her justice. So she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will God not grant justice to his elect elect that cry out to him day and night? Will he delay to help them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. When the sons of men come, When the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? And I believe that reference is to AD 70. But could we apply that reference right now? Is the the Lord Jesus Christ here in, in in a disciplinary way? And is he finding faith on earth? Those are just questions that I'm asking. And it says this, and I, I believe I got this from, um, from Kenneth Weiss. A prayer conquers fear. In prayer, believers address a loving father, not a capricious judge. Hmm. Characteristic number 11. We move through there pretty, pretty fast. I'm looking at this clock here. Characteristic number 11. Now watch it. I think I did get this from uh, Darrell W. Johnson, and I have to give him credit. A lot of the things that I got from, the, from, my, from my first message came from his book, um, 57 Words That Changed the World, of The Lord's Prayer. Um, so, so number 14, or I should say, no, characteristic number 11, it's on page 14 in his book. It says this, when you pray, oh, when we pray, the Lord's Prayer God is granting us the unspeakable privilege of partnering with him in the fulfilling of his purpose in the world. Hmm. I'll say that again. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, God is granting us the unspeakable privilege of partnering with him in the fulfilling of his purpose in the world. He also says this, the movers and the shakers of human history are the people that pray. And I remember Pastor Knapp calls them the invisible heroes. See, here's the thing. You ain't getting no pat on your back because you're praying. Unless unless the Holy Spirit is allowing people to see that. But everybody wants to be a mouth in this age. Everybody wants to be a mouth. Nobody wants to go into their closet. And that's where the power is. That's where the power is. I remember they said that Billy Graham months 
years before he'd go into a certain place. The intercessors would be praying before he went in, a year before he went in. That's, that's, that's kind of what I heard. So I'm going to give you some quick examples. If you get a chance, read this. All of a sudden, you have all this worship going on in Revelation chapter 4 and in Revelation chapter 5. But then all of a sudden, in, 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 in uh, Revelation 8, 1 to 4, it says, When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was, watch it, silence in heaven for what seemed to be a half hour. Well, what was the silence? It says this, uh, Further down in the verse, incest to add to the prayers of God's people on God's altar in front of the throne, the smoke of the incense went up with the prayers of God's people from the hand of the angel before God. If you get a chance, read that in, in Revelation 8, 1 to 4. And, um, Here's another example in, in James five, um, 16, actually, I think it's 16 B to 18. It actually says that the effectual, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And it says that, that, um, um, Elijah had an old sin nature like we did. I hear people talk about, well, you know what? Yeah, we can pray, but. No, we can pray. And it said that he prayed and it stopped raining for three and a half years. Then he prayed again and it rained. The effectual fervent prayers of righteous men and women avail much. Now we're still in. Now watch it. We are still in. We are still in Luke 18. And here he goes. He says this again. Here it is. And we're in Luke 18. And remember it started out. Men ought always to pray. And not faint. Luke 18. I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to ask the question. Who is the righteous man? Hmm. And I also going to add a statement. Houston. We have a problem. Isn't this amazing how the Lord just strung all this together here? He starts out with that one. He does the same thing in, 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 in Luke chapter 11. And now he's in, in Luke chapter 18. And then at the end of Luke chapter 18 here, not, not the total end, but in, in, in Luke 18, 9 and 14, this is actually another parable that he's saying. Hmm. It's all connected. It's all connected. He also told this parable to some. Now watch it. This is a key. This is the key. This is really what I, I, I really want to focus in on. Hopefully I got enough time. It looks like I got enough time. He also told this parable to some who watch it, trusted in themselves. The effectual fervent prayers of righteous men and women avails much. Trusted in themselves. Does that sound like the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man and woman? Hmm. That they were righteous and they looked down on everyone else. Now watch it. The kind of faith in themselves. Hmm. The ground for this confidence is their achievements in piety. And morality. Hmm. 
Okay, we're moving along here. Now I want to quote, um, I want to co- quote, excuse me, I want to quote Jurgen Moltmann. And uh, Pastor Knapp quoted this not too long ago, but I wanted to read because it, it just fits in, it fits in perfect with this parable here. But the, the coming of God, Jurgen Moltmann, page 244, it's an excellent read. Actually, it's a big book, and, it, and, and the, print is, the print is very big. The print is very big in this book. And it's, and, and, and it's, a, it's a, um, a thesis on the um, double outcome judgment versus, he calls it universal salvation. Pastor Knapp, universal saving significance of Jesus Christ, which I, I like that better, and the universal impact of the cross. Here he goes. He says this. I'm quoting him. Page 244. The doctrine of universal salvation is the expression of a boundless confidence in God. Universal salvation, the universal saving significance of Jesus Christ, the universal impact on the cross leads to a boundless confidence in God. I got to get some more water. Ah, Good. Thank you. He says this, what God wants to do, he can do. And he will do. Isaiah 46.10. The mystery of his will in um, uh, Ephesians 1, 9, 10, and 11. To sum up. Everything to sum up everything to sum up everything in Christ Jesus. And ultimately will help all human beings, or I should say, ultimately will save all human beings. In John 12, 32, Colossians 1, 20. Now watch it. We're talking about this man that trusted in himself. The doctrine of the double outcome judgment, this is still Jürgen Moltmann speaking, the doctrine of the double outcome judgment is the expression of a tremendous, I like how he uses that word, a tremendous self-confidence on the part of human beings. If the decision of faith or unbelief has eternal significance, then eternal destinies, salvation, or damnation lies in the hands of human beings. The man came and he trusted. He came to temple and he trusted in himself. He trusted in himself. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah 2.9 Psalms 3.8, Revelation 7.10. Then he says this. Oh, I want to say that before I say this. An unconditional unilateral covenant, or is it, a, is it an unconditional unilateral covenant, or is it a bilateral conditional contract? You choose. Hmm. This is this is continuing from what Yogan Moltmann said. What will happen to people in eternity really depends on. Now watch it. What will happen to people in eternity 
really depends on their behavior. Well, I believe I believed in the Lord back in 1902, and I've been walking the walk and talking the talk ever since then. Christ becomes a personal savior only when that person accepts him in faith. Wow. Verse 10, 1810 of Luke. Two men went to the temple complex to pray. One, a Pharisee. Double outcome judgment. Just put that by the Pharisee. Double outcome judgment. And the other, a tax collector, a sinner, universal salvation or the universal saving. He represents the universal saving significance of Jesus Christ or the universal impact of the cross. The tax collector were a class of detested not only by the Jews, but by other nations also, both on the account of their employment and of their harshness, greed, and deception with which they did their job. I believe Matthew was a tax collector. You check on that. Check on that. Now watch it. Watch it. Is this what's going on in the United States of America? Let me ask a question. Is this what's going on in the United States of America? Is this what's going on throughout the world? I hope not. The Pharisee took his stand. He goes up the temple. He takes his stand. He stood. A.T. Robinson has He struck an attitude characterized by vulgar and and or pretentious display designed, watch it, designed to impress or be noticed where he could be seen. I remember being in a service one time and this one preacher was asked to pray and he said, Dear Heavenly Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We humbly come before you. (laughs) Having stood by himself, it says. And in Isaiah 65, 5, it says this. Who says, keep to yourselves. Do not come near me, for I am holier than you. These are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. I was thinking about when my dad, back in the day, when he used to smoke them cigarettes sometimes, and he'd leave it in the, he'd leave it in the ashtray, and it would be burning, and you'd sit there, and that smoke, ow, oh, it brought me back to that. Hmm. And in Matthew 6, 5, Jesus says this, and when you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand, hastame, and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. They don't want to go into the closet because they want a pat on the back. 
Truly I say to you, they have their reward. Watch it. The Pharisee went to temple to be seen. Maybe that's the reason why God shut us down. Maybe that's why we, some of us came to church so we could be seen instead of coming to hear what the spirit has to say to the churches. Just maybe, just maybe. Now watch it. In Luke eleven eighteen, Luke 18, 11 B, he prayed about himself like this. Or one translation said he prayed to himself. He prayed about or to himself aloud. A soliloquy, speaking one's thoughts aloud with his own soul. A complacent recital of his own virtues for his own self-satisfaction, not fellowshipping with God. Though he addressed God, I, I believe I got that from A.T. Robinson's word, word, word pictures in the Greek. Double outcome judgment, the expression of a tremendous self-confidence in his religious credentials. Well, I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, that I went to Clarion with, and he called it religious resume. I have a religious resume. <laughs> um, Proverbs 28, 9 says this. The prayer of someone who refuses to listen to the teaching is disgusting. Hmm. Psalms 66, 18 says, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Let me get some more water. Proverbs 15, 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is detestable to the Lord, but the prayers of the upright are his delight. We spend our whole lives trying to get into heaven. And we climb on the upside of the mountain, trying our best to make it in. But guess what? It's finished. Wake up so Jesus Christ can shine on you. It's finished. You're already there. All you need to do is wake up. Your salvation took place when he said, Tetelestai. Yeah, but I, I got saved. <clears throat> I remember distinctly when I got saved. Were you back in, um, I like what Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. Hmm. That's when I got saved. Hmm. That's when all mankind got saved. Religious, religious Resume, religious credentials. This is what he says here in verse um, 11b and, and 12. He says, I thank God I'm not like other people. I'm not like other people as sinner like everyone else. I thank God that I'm not that way greedy, unrighteous. And then he throws in adultery. That's the same thing that the, that the, uh, the, the elder son and the prodigal did when he was talking about his brother that came home. Or even... I'm glad, or even, I'm glad I'm not like this tax collector. So when he was praying, not only was he praying to himself, but he was preaching a legalistic sermon 
to the tax collector that was standing afar off. Isn't that amazing? See, I, I have my religious resume here. Let me tell you about myself. He says, see, I, 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 I fast. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything, of everything that I, that I, that I get. I give a tenth of that. Kind of like Paul. Paul said this. But let's, let's call Paul. Paul said this in Philippians 3.3. 3, we are the true circumcision. And you can see that also in, in Colossians 2.11. Who worship in the spirit of God. And we glory in Christ Jesus. And we put no confidence in the flesh. If you get time, you can read the rest of that. But Paul finally said, I count it all as dung for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Now we move to the universal saving significance of Jesus Christ. The universal impact of the, of the, of the cross. Absolute, watch it, absolute confidence in God. Absolute confidence in God. In sharp contrast from the Pharisee, the tax collector went to temple. And I got this from um, uh, Matthew Henry. I got this from Matthew Henry. I was looking at it. I just happened to watch it. In sharp, in sharp contrast, the Pharisee, in, in sharp contrast from the Pharisee, the tax collector went to temple because it was appointed to be the house of prayer for all the people. My house is a house of prayer for all the people. Jesus didn't quote that in, 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 um, in Matthew 21, 23, but he would have known that you should have known that from Isaiah 56, 7b. My house is a house of prayer for all the people. A microcosm of a macrocosm in John 14, 2 and 2 Corinthians 5, 11. But the tax collector, now watch this, watch the contrast. But the tax collector standing afar off would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest. And saying, be merciful to me. And it says that, um, and this is what Bailey says, this, this classical Middle Eastern gesture is a profound recognition of the truth of the fact that out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, theft, false witness, slander. Uh, the kind of background which gives the picture of the depth of the tax collector's remorse and he says this God be merciful to me and I like and I like um, here's the translation of that oh God oh God I think I got this from Kenneth Bailey oh God let it be for me be merciful to me let it be for me make an atonement for me for be my mercy seat. Make propitiation for. Make atonement. Now watch it. For me with no merit on my 
own to commend me. Wow. How do we enter into the throne of grace? Do we enter into the throne of grace with a works attitude? Hmm. Just a question. Just a question. Hebrews 2.17, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every respect so that he could become a merciful high priest in relating to God to make atonement, expiation, propitiations for the sins of the people. For God put Yeshua as a kapora, I think I'm saying that right. Kapora, kapora, kapara, kapara, propitiation, expiation, atonement for sin through, watch it, through his faithfulness. The Christ, uh, complete Jewish Bible got it right. Through his faithfulness in respect to his bloody sacrificial death. In, in 1 John 4.10, it says this. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then if you conflate that with 1 John 2, 2, and he himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. I hesitate, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. (coughs) So. I'm going to give you two Old Testament examples. I got a lot here. I'm I'm skipping over. But I want to give you two. I'm going to try to close out with two Old Testament examples real fast, real fast. The Pharisee represents, watch it, what took place in Hosea 4, 1 to 6. If you get a chance, read the whole thing. I don't have time to read the whole thing. But it says this in Hosea 4, 1. This is the Pharisee. Double outcome judgment. Hear the word of the Lord people of Israel, for the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. Why? Why? There is no truth, nor faithful love, nor knowledge of God in the land. You say, well, what does that have to do with prayer? If you drop down to um, uh, Hosea 4, 6, watch it. My people, but read, if you get a chance, read that whole chapter because it kind of, it kind of explains some things that are happening in this world today and even in the United States of America and, and why, why, what's the real reason behind it. Um, and and, and um, verse 6, it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He said, well, what does this have to do with prayer? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I will reject you from serving as my priests. Since you have forgotten my law, I will forget your sons. And it says that it says in that other parable that which one went away justified. Hmm. Characteristic number 12. I'm going to rush through this real fast. In characteristic number 12, when we pray the Lord's prayer, we participate in God's love in God's transforming. I'm sorry. In God's transforming process now in this current evil age, which is the kingdom of God now and then complete. 
the tax collector represents Second Chronicles 7, verses 12 to 14. When the Lord appeared to, I'm actually, no, I'm, I'm going to jump down. I'm going to jump down to verse 13. If I close the skies so that there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper or locusts, they'd actually got locusts in South Africa right now, or no, still in Africa, no, South Africa, to consume the land, or if I send pestilence, that's what we're experiencing right now, on my people, And my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves. That represents the tax collector. I have nothing else to offer you when I go to prayer but you. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. Forgive their national sin and heal their land. That comes from the Hebrew word rapa, Jesus Christ the great physician. That's exactly what we need right now. We need the great physician to come in and heal this land. Then he says, my eyes will now be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are the spirit of God, that you have the spirit of God dwelling in you? I'm going to close. I'm going to conflate these verses together. Men ought always to pray the Lord's prayer and not faint. The effectual, fervent prayer of righteous men and women avail much. Thank you very much for your kind attention. Let's close with a word of prayer. Precious Father, we thank you once again for your faithfulness. Your faithfulness to manage all this information and to speak the things that you want your body to hear in such a time as this. So, Father, we pray that this, as my wife prayed before we came in here, that this word will go forth in power and in demonstration in the spirit, and that hearts will be changed, and that, Father, when we enter into the throne room of grace, that we do not enter in there with, a, with our baggage of merit. But Father, allow us to have the mindset of the tax collector and let us not enter into the mindset of the Pharisee, Father. And we know that if we humble ourselves and seek your face, that then we will hear from heaven and that you will heal our land. We ask these and all the blessings in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.